Hello, and welcome back to Drinks and Thinks, the podcast where I discuss various philosophical topics over a couple of drinks with my mates. Today, we have two firsts for the podcast, one of which is having a guest on who I've had on previously, uh, the second of which is having two guests on at once. So let's start with Sasha. You've been on most recently. Uh, please refresh the listener's memory as to who you are and what your deal is. Hi, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Sasha. I'm a friend of Connor's from uh, school. I've been on before, on episode before. Nothing much has changed in my life since that previous episode. So if you want to know more about me, you can go check that one out. But yeah, I'm just here back again happy to be back and just chilling yeah brilliant brilliant and uh we've also got a returning guest from episode four murray please uh refresh the listeners about yourself hello i'm uh, i'm murray i was on episode four as connor says i did a well to me it was fascinating talk about uh, the philosophy of music uh obviously since then i've actually started at music college so life is extremely different from what it was uh, but settling in nicely, enjoying stuff, and just thrilled to be back on for another good chat and a good drink. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, just to sort of paint the picture for the listener, obviously, uh, if you know us all, you know that, you know, while I'm good friends with both of these guys, they're also very good friends with each other. Um, Sasha, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about your, your first time you met Murray? Um, I don't know. The first first time I met Murray, I think, must have been about uh, around year ten or something. So we must have been about fourteen or fifteen. I think we our friendship kind of started based around uh, a similar kind of taste of music around that age because it was quite an obscure kind of genre that we both liked, and we we didn't know very many other people that had a similar taste. So it was interesting to bond over that and to see how our relationship formed in many many different ways with that as a core structure yeah murray do you find yourself disagreeing with sasha on many issues um well surprisingly not i think fundamentally a lot of our views are the same but when it comes down to how those fundamentals are applied in specific things i'm talking about from like a worldview here i think we're actually I found, I don't know about you, Sasha, but actually when you strip it back, there are a number of similarities that do come up. Um, I'm not so sure about that, but I guess we can uh, oh. <laughs> delve further into that. I mean, m- yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, I-, I see where you're coming from. But we'll I we'll have like to find out. We-, we do kind of knock heads on a certain amount of issues as well, Absolutely. quite often. Yeah. Well, either way, we've got We've got plenty of time now to uh, to explore that. Um, I just find it um, really interesting just to come back to the fact that, Sasha, you mentioned um, that you sort of bonded over music, which I think, you know, considering how Murray and I spoke about that topic uh, a while ago, I think it's really interesting that it, it comes into this social, sort of social context and the way that it can help people to, you know, get together and, and be friends in spite of, at least from Sasha's point of view, slightly contrasting uh, states of mind with regards to politics and the world at large. What do you think, Murray? Hold on. Um, can I? Sorry. I'm just, I'm just having a Jaffa cake. Is that all right? Of course, that's all right. Have okay. yourself to a Jaffa cake. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the prime example is that 
you know, they talk about it being a universal thing. I suppose that's the embodiment. You know, I am tempted to retract my earlier statement about us being overly similar because when I actually think about it, as I was wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think because and yet because of that, music was a way in to find the similarities and the things we had in common. So I think that's that's kind of I think that, that kind of embodies it really is the fact that people on completely different air from completely different areas of like society and with different views all it takes is is music and all of a sudden you know you can you can get on just fine and in fact you know we're very good friends so i think that's a prime example right right just because you disagree on you know who should be in charge doesn't mean you you can't get along at the end of the day i want to sort of uh segue almost here into what we're talking about today which is going to revolve mainly around uh, democracy particularly in the modern western world but also in a more sort of abstract sense hopefully i think there's a an, an amazing example that we can point to today literally in in this week in world news um in that joe biden recently has been uh, sort of declared almost the winner of the presidential election in the US. Um, and yet the former president or president, depending on your standpoint, Trump has pretty adamantly refused to move out of the White House. Uh, Sasha, what are your thoughts? Um, I, I do find it uh, quite amusing to watch this uh unfold after Trump announced himself as the winner days before the cat had ended and he's now found himself in a quite a difficult situation where he's still not quite found the humility to be able to admit his defeat yet. It is quite entertaining to watch but I do find it really quite shocking and scary that despite the fact that he's someone that has stood behind democracy for his whole campaign has been focused around it and has said that it's so important for the last for, for, for the last election where he won where his whole push was to um, end the the fraud and the rigged elections that he had been proposing that Hillary had been uh, uh, behind and kind of promoting and now that he's in the situation where he's losing. It's, it's, very, it's, it's scary that he's throwing that out of the window and just gig, uh, say, saying that it, uh, the election's been rigged without showing any evidence and that the, the amount of support that he's had behind that, uh, just despite there being no evidence or anything that he's putting forward to give any, any sound reasoning why there should be a recount or he should be allowed to stay in the White House. And it's scary the kind of just mindless following that is going behind that because it's just showing the inherent disrespect he has for democracy and how he was just using it as a tool when it played to his advantage and now that it's not he's just kind of throwing it away and no one really seems to notice or care about that yeah yeah i think that's that's pretty much hit the nail on the head for a lot of people um just to lean over to you murray do you think that do you think that this uh this man and his actions uh, or particularly this instance, you know, with him refusing to to give up the presidency. Do you think it poses any sort of threat to the semblance of democracy that we have at current in the Western world? I think it's certainly 
whatever happens, this is going. Obviously, I think it was kind of obvious from the start that this was going to be a massive thing. This whole election process was going to be huge for America and for the world. And it all depends how this pans out. You know, if President Trump does choose to keep being as stubborn as he is and it does erupt into violence, then that does pose an obvious threat. Oh, sorry. It does pose an obvious threat to kind of, you know, the concept of democracy because all of a sudden it's, well, you know, people, you know, it then shows that violence is the answer because if someone just refuses to accept defeat in a democratic way, then the only simple and simply the only way out is is violence if he, if if the political system fails. So obviously that's right, that's right. obviously a clear threat. And I think within within the American sort of way, I mean, again, it's we're going to have to see how it pans out. I think from my point of view, I think this is a prime example of from what I what I view as like the the Republicans view of, of President Trump, which is in terms of his economic you know policy and the way that he thinks about running the country is to a lot of republicans a very good thing for them a lot of business owners things like that uh but they'd rather he wasn't himself if if that makes sense a lot of his character gets in the way and i think this is a prime example of that his character is seriously threatening a lot of things when you know, I think economically, from a lot of points of view, obviously socially is a completely different matter, but economically, what has been a fairly, obviously, aside from the virus, which kind of no one could succeed under, has been fairly economically beneficial for America. Yeah, I find it, um, no, I find it really interesting that you make that, that key distinction that, that so many people make when talking about politics in general, between the social and the economic side of things. I mean, there's no reason you can't um, be against gay rights and be economically beneficial to a country. Granted, being against gay rights is probably something that, that most people in the West today would want to condemn for obvious moral mm -hmm. reasons. But in spite of that, uh, like you say, there are benefits to a man like Trump in as much as he's been good for the American economy. Mm. Sasha, what are your thoughts on, on, on that sort of distinction? between um, social and economical sides of politics, do you think they are separable in the way that, that Murray seems to be talking about them? I think that um, economics and the social side of uh, life, they can, be, they, they, they can be distinguishable in politics. It is possible for um, the personality of someone that's making uh, the decisions for a country, it's, it's possible for their charisma or their charm to not get in the way of their economics and their policies and for them to be able to make the decisions based upon what they believe is going to be right for the country however i feel like with trump although economically um i feel like economically him and biden are very similar in a lot of ways in the some of the major issues Trump and Biden, there is very little difference between them. And that's why I was not completely satisfied by the result, because I feel like there will be very little change. However, I do feel as though the American election, there is some kind of victory there. As Although economically, I don't think there will be much change 
behind that. Trump as a leader socially and because of the type of person that he was, was so damaging to the way that the way that America was run. And as one of the superpowers in the world that we live in, it's it was really quite a rocky and unstable person to have in charge of such a pivotal country. For example, the Paris Climate Accord, pulling out of that, I feel like for that alone, the reason that Biden has won the election is a huge victory to so many people, um, considering that his personality and his own unfounded beliefs on the uh, current situation with global warming and climate change. So I feel like in that situation, when someone's personality and someone's charisma is getting in the way of the progression of the world, it's very important that we um, see past the possible economic progression that he is making in certain areas and start to realise that someone like that is not at all capable and is not the right person to be leading us forward into the next chapter of the progression of humanity. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think that, that seems... Um... That seems pretty fair. I think the Paris Climate Accord, as you say, is pretty um, pretty crucial to the next step in humanity's uh, development. Um, but just taking a, a sort of step back from the whole sort of Trump debate uh, and everything, I kind of want to focus now on, uh, like I said in sort of the introduction, a bit more of a, a um, theoretical kind of abstract side to democracy. Um, and, you know, we hear this term flung around so, so much in in modern politics, especially, we see say hear people saying, accusing you know their their rivals of being a threat to democracy, or uh, the, the like. Just to sort of zoom in on on that phrase, just on democracy, on that word. Obviously, um, Sasha, you'd know because you you studied uh, ancient Greek with me. Um, but for those of you who don't, it it comes from uh, two words that mean power of the people effectively demos meaning people and, and, and kratos meaning power so this word kind of has this association at least etymologically of the mass the population of a country being given direct political power and this is one form of democracy that we saw um, hundreds of years ago in athens this is uh, called sometimes athenian democracy or direct democracy it's the kind of democracy where people are given direct power over the choices that are made. And obviously that power there was given to uh, only the rich males in ancient Athens. But overlooking that point, uh, the fact is it was sort of a, a more direct democracy. But we have, you know, various, various different forms of democracy, many, many, many different forms. Um, I just wanted to know what democracy as a word, what, is, what does it mean to you, Sasha? Um... Well, d- democracy, as it, it, I, I guess it depends how far you want to take the idea of democracy. I guess the initial concept, like the, the, the very basic idea of democracy is that every person gets a say on um, uh, the decisions that are being made to impact their lives as a collective. Everyone that is going to be affected has some sort of vote or contribution to the way that their society is going to be run that's on a very basic term but um so in the in the society that we live in obviously we vote for the people that 
make up uh, our uh, members of parliament and the House of Commons. We, 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 in each of our constituencies, we vote for our representative and then they yeah, in matters of national importance. Obviously, that's not a complete democracy as, when, as not every single person is voting on every single decision. We just, every so often, we vote for a person to represent us um, when deciding those decisions and obviously in a complete democracy every person would be voting for every decision i guess the essence of democracy is that every person gets a say in um deciding uh matters of what is going to affect the society that they live in right i think that seems uh, an interesting definition definitely murray what does what does the word democracy mean to you in a few words well that was a good one sasha bloody hell um I I think his universal definition about just trying to strive to give everyone a voice is certainly what I view democracy as. I think, you know, I mean, we were discussing just before, you know, just how many types of democ- you know, democracy there are. Something like over 2,000, am I right in that? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, in the, in the English language um, so far, the noun democracy has been... Uh, prefaced and modified by 2,234 distinct adjectives. Whether or not you take that to mean there's that many kinds of democracy is mm. a different question. But either way, it's um, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. of different kinds and forms. So I would I would say that yeah, generally the idea of striving to give everyone a vote um, is kind of the essence of democracy. And then from there you've got different ways of actually implementing it as a system in a in a collective that's kind of what it means to me do you think any countries in the world that we live in um do you think any of them do democracy right if i thought that, that that's an interesting question saying do democracy right i don't know if there is a right way to do democracy i feel like um different countries all, all, all different countries across the world in the way that their government works they take an approach that uses democracy to some to a further extent than others and uh, uh, you, you see different benefits and different uh, uh, downfalls in each of these countries in different areas as a result of the method that their government uses for example in the middle eastern world that there's a so the 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 countries there, there's a definitely a a lot less democracy than there is in the Western world. This is one of the big things: is a lot of Western people uh, saying that uh, this is because there, there's a lot more freedom in the West than there is in the East. Whereas, but actually, in um, times like this with the COVID nineteen, um, everything that's going on with that, with the coronavirus pandemic, you you start to see how these kind of less democratic countries more kind of authoritarian governments uh the way that they're dealing with the world is actually starting to is, is looking like it's more effective this kind of um a method of government in this extreme situation and so democracy done right is not necessarily there's not necessarily a done right it's just democracy is more of a in some situations it, it can be the right thing and in some situations it's not necessarily it's just a method of picking and choosing and discovering where the right balance lies and i feel like that's the struggle that many countries face at the moment in when it it, it, as in where to use it and where to not 
yeah, I think that makes that makes a, lo a lot of sense. Um, I think you're right in claiming that certain authoritarian governments definitely have a certain kind of power. It's almost um, it almost seems like in in certain ways our our freedom and our liberty that democracy grants us does come at a certain cost, you know, especially to the state. Um, for those of you who are more interested in the uh, sort of more rigorous philosophical side of things, uh, you may want to look into The Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. It's a, a political work in which he describes how we need sort of an all-powerful political figure above us in order to, um, to rule us, in, in effect, to keep us in check through a monopoly on violence. So, Murray, what do you think? Do you think any any countries in the modern world manage to get democracy right, or do you think there even is a, a a right for democracy in the in the same sense that sort of Sasha described? I I agree. I think that there is different forms for different people in terms of you know different sort of countries and stuff will either be more or less suited uh, to a certain political system dependent on say their political views i don't know i mean we take the american system uh i think both both sides of their political system ultimately are fairly sort of rights leaning i would argue um whereas say i don't know uh one of the nordic states or germany you know are a com they are a completely di they have a very different sort of philosophy obviously i'm missing out a lot of uh, exceptions you know obviously there are going to be a lot of, of very liberal thinking people in America and just as well as there are I'm sure a number of quite strong conservative thinking people uh, across you know, Germany and the Nordic states but I think yeah it's I think it would be suited you know different forms would suit different nations differently I would I would agree with that yeah that seems that seems fair um, I just want to point to uh, a kind of example that, um, that actually my dad brought up with me just the other day, um, just to sort of see your views on this particularly, Murray, because um, I know you have you have family in the USA. Um, in the USA, of course, bipartisanship, the sort of split between Democrats and Republicans, goes all the way through society. It doesn't stop at the civil society at the civil service. It doesn't stop with the judicial system, you know. Uh, for instance, if, if Trump um, wanted to do something at the moment, he could let it go. He could try and you know make it a legal issue such that it went to the Supreme Court where there is currently a Republican majority. And the likelihood is there that it would come out to be legal in the eyes of, of those people, in you know, heavy quotation marks. In the UK, it's completely different, right? The civil society, the civil service, sorry, is completely um, a party, right? It's not related to either side of the spectrum. Uh, the judicial system is the same. Nobody gets to appoint judges in the same way that they do in the States. Do you think either of those systems is better than the other? I think it, it, you, you can draw links to what we said about, you know, it's different because of the different sort of climates in terms of the people. Actually, mm, not necessarily. I personally think, you know, especially with democracy, uh, you want, you know, whatever is is deciding uh, 
law or something like that. I'd say, you know, neutrality is is certainly something that should be strived for. It sounds to me there that, that you're sort of more endorsing uh, the UK side of things. Yeah, Do you think, I, that's, you think that's fair? You know, I have, you know, having gone out to America pretty much my whole life, you know, I do... I do prefer our our system here. Uh, I do think it's it's better. I think we have a lot that we're doing right. I I'm I'm obviously you know I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with the British system, but I think from my perspective, we've kind of got the system right, in my opinion, or as right as I think we can get. I'm sure I'm sure Sasha's going to have a, a list fair. as long as my arm as as uh, of things I've said wrong. I've just got one one point that I'd like to raise with um, with that issue. I just think the system in particular, um, as you say, it's, um, I mean, as we spoke about just before we began recording, uh, it's almost like Churchill's sort of thing that it's, you know, it's the mm. best of a bad bunch, mm. really, democracy. Um, mm. But there's one distinct problem, which is uh, sort of coming to the front or has been coming to the front for the past, I'm not sure how long actually, um, but I've really recently noticed, because I'm in Edinburgh, something called the Lothian problem. And, you know, Edinburgh is uh, in the county of Midlothian. But the Lothian problem, or the Lothian question, I believe it, it may be called, is basically on whether or not MPs from, say, Cornwall or rural Devon or even from inner city London, whether these MPs should be allowed to vote on matters that only affect say, Lothian, or other different kinds of uh, constituencies, you know, like Sasha said, it's the right to be able to vote or be represented in voting on matters that will affect you. Should other people be allowed to vote on matters that affect you? What do you think about that, I, Sasha? Yeah, I completely, I think that it should, uh, people should only be able to vote on matters that affect themselves the people that don't have any experience with this kinds of with matters of that environment and people that are far away from that and not a part of it should not be able to vote um on that and i feel like that's a problem that the western world uh, has not been able to quite get their hands on um over the past few decades especially uh, with america uh choosing the leaders of countries just because they feel like they could um and i feel like that's uh, quite an, a, a, a kind of similar thing of just people feeling feeling like they have uh just 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 an entitlement to pick and choose what they feel like would be right for them and i think we you know we get the point that that um there are problems with democracy, ultimately. Um, but the fours and against, I think, we'll come back to in just a moment. So continuing with the theme of last week, I've gone for a, um, a cocktail once again for this week's drink. Um, this particular one does actually have some kind of relevance, thankfully, to our topic of the day. Uh, today, I'm drinking a gin variant of a Cuba Libre. Uh, the phrase itself, Cuba Libre, came most likely from the American occupation of Cuba after the American-Spanish War um, in the very late 1800s. 
Uh, and it was basically the term itself was a slogan. You know, it means free Cuba. Uh, it was a slogan for a party that wanted to be freed from American rule, free from democracy, as it were. Um, but for those of you interested in making one for yourself, this is a really, really nice drink. Uh, the one I've done has a bit of a gin variant, as I said, uh, but the basis of it is rum and coke, pretty much, and a lot of lime juice. That's what really makes this a Cuba Libre as opposed to just a, uh, a rum and coke. Um, for those of you more interested in the cocktail side of things, uh, there's a small distinction that bartenders like to make between cocktails and non-cocktails, and that is that a cocktail must have a minimum of three ingredients. And this kind of basically just, just rules out drinks that are just a mixer and an alcohol. So rum and coke, vodka and coke, those aren't cocktails, according to bartenders. They're not fancy enough. Um, some lime juice in there or something. Um, so yeah, for me, I did, uh, I mixed two ounces of uh, white rum. In this case, you can use dark spice rum if you want, but white rum, which uh, two ounces for those of you using the right system is about 50 milliliters. Um, and then one, sorry, half an ounce, which is about 12.5 milliliters of gin, and then about the same amount as gin of uh, lime juice. And you mix that, top that up with Coke and a lot of ice and some fresh limes, and it is delicious. Sasha, what are you drinking? I've just got a uh, rum and Coke. Apparently that doesn't qualify to be fancy enough to be a cocktail. So, um, yeah. Just, very sorry, yeah, mate. My, my plain drink here. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's quite the, uh, nice. According to the democratic process of bartenders, you haven't made the cut, buddy. I'm very sorry. Oh, quite yeah. That's okay. I'm sure I'll survive. I'm sure it'll be fine. Murray, what have you got? Well, I admire your creative process there. It sounds like you put a lot of effort in to making it. My, uh, my creative process, if you can call it that, was a bit different. I uh, went to Tesco's uh, and bought some beer. Uh, got a bottle opener, opened it, and now I'm drinking it. Brilliant, brilliant. What kind of beer? It's Krabby's Alcoholic Ginger Beer, and it is the nicest thing I think I've ever drunk. Come ashore now. That's not just any old beer. I love ginger beer. It's got that tang. Oh, it's, it's unmatched completely and utterly. Have you tried? Oh. I know this is, this is very student of me, but have you tried uh, Little's... <laughs> Little's um, ginger beer. I think it's called like Grizzly Bear or something like that. Grizzly Bear. <laughs> no, I haven't. I do. I am, however, you know, particularly keen on their own brand Bailey's. I must say that stuff is to die for. Country wow, cream. it's so good. Country cream. I'm... It's called Country Cream. Something, something stupid like that, but God, it does the job. Just while we're uh, on the topic of democracy, and we've got a few moments to spare. Um, one of my favourite democratic processes <laughs> voting off Sasha in Among Us indeed worth it Murray you're always so keen to just jump in on that oh my god it's just it's so frustrated every yes, but, time but sometimes I'm right which makes it worth it yeah. about you, one in as five Michael, times well well, as Michael Jordan said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Are you sure that was Michael Jordan? Are you misquoting there? No, it was definitely Michael Jordan. The basketball guy, right? Who's got all the shoes. 
Yes. Okay, yeah, I, I'm right then. It was on an advert, yeah. wasn't it? I, it I, I don't been. think I, I don't I don't know if it is. Oh, I don't know. I think it is. I, think I it wish I was now. I could just ask what's his name to pull it up for me. Pull it up. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm not Joe Rogan, so I'm, I'm gonna have to I'll, look. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, get us get us an answer on that, Sash. Sasha, pull it up. Yeah, you're entirely wrong, Sash uh, Murray. I'm very, very sorry. Um Am I? Yeah, apparently it's what? uh it's Wayne Gretzky, the ice Wayne hockey player. Gretzky. I thought it was Michael Jordan. He did have some inspirational stuff to say, but I don't think any of those phrases no. were that. Wasn't it anti-drug? Oh, it was the anti-drug stuff he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. American sportsmen, they're all the same. Overpaid for not doing a lot. <laughs> so in the first half of today's episode, we spoke quite a lot about, you know, what democracy is, can be. We haven't really spoken about what it should be yet. Um, although I suppose we did touch on that when Sasha said that it's sort of a no one size can fit all situation. Um, I'm not sure what either of your views are for or against democracy particularly. I know that you vary on uh, the sort of slider of democratic uh, political spectrum but i want to know from you first of all murray democracy pro or anti i know it's not that simple but let's hear your yeah. first sort of opening statement fundamentally i am pro um i think yeah i think in today's world i think people have the awareness and i think they should all have a voice i think it's I, I mean, you know, it's obviously it's come up before the idea of democracy being the worst of a bad bunch. I've always been, you know, I will be the first to admit that it is not a flawless system. There certainly are a number of problems. I think but you I meant person- of a bad bunch there, Murray. You said the worst, but I'm just going to, I think you meant the best, right? I, I did mean the best. Uh, yes. <laughs> it would be wise of us to accept the worst of the bad bunch as our political uh, system. But sorry, go on. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, moving swiftly on. Uh, yeah, I think that fundamentally, I think it is, I think, you know, it gives everyone a voice, or at least it aims to. And I think, you know, we can never be, I think it's almost impossible to ever reach the perfect system. And I think its intentions for me are, are the right ones. Sasha, what are your thoughts? I'm not sure, to be honest, to be completely honest with you. Um, I feel like there are very, uh, I feel like there are compelling arguments for and against and I feel like it really is very dependent on the way that it's used I feel like there are ways that it can be used in a right way that is beneficial to a country and I feel like there are ways that it can be very easily exploited and um, that's where real problems in the system start to arise I'm I'm not quite sure how I feel about that at this current point in time but uh, yeah that seems fair. That seems fair. Um, one of the main sort of arguments that I've heard uh, against democracy uh, uh, on the whole, you know, on, a, on an entirely democratic basis, uh, you know, democra- democracy for all, um, is that some people aren't as smart or aren't as clued in as to the political system as others. Um, once again, for those of you more, more philosophically inclined, 
this is an argument that's raised um, a long time ago by Plato. He, he makes a sort of analogy uh, in, I believe, in the Republic to sort of a sailor, right? You, when, you're, when you're getting on a boat and you're going to go on a boat journey somewhere, you're going to sail uh, across the Mediterranean as people in Plato's day would, um, you're not going to hire some random geezer to captain your ship. You're going to hire an experienced sailor. So why then should we let any old person know, even in fact, every old person, literally every person ever in the society, why should we let everyone make decisions about how the country is run? Why shouldn't we let trained country rulers, supposedly politicians, but the comparison to modern day politicians doesn't really hold true given uh, certain figures in the spotlight today. Um, Murray, what are your thoughts on the on the claim that ultimately people aren't clued in enough to rule a country, and so democracy doesn't work? What do you think about that argument? This is this is the main. I, I agree. This is the one that I've found come up comes up most as like a, a criticism. Uh, but for me, I think it's an issue of um, it's almost for me quite similar to. Um, I think there are like similarities that can be drawn to a lot of a lot of regimes where how do I put this you know if if if, if you know it's quite clear that that some people clearly just have no clue uh, and to let them vote is uh, at times does seem ridiculous but for me it, it's a case of how do you draw the line as what constitutes um you being you know legible to vote or sorry eligible to vote how do you actually decide what constitutes you as being you know able to vote is it your iq or is it you know specialism so on issues of healthcare, is it only going to be i don't know people who are like career doctors or things like that and you know and then that once you bring that issue up it's well, how do you decide uh, who picks them and who picks the industry specialists and who picks the people who are able to vote? You know, I think it's, it's a criticism, but in order to find the solution, I think a number of more problems do arise, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Thank you. Once again, it almost seems to, to come back to the, uh, the old Winston and his uh, best of a bad bunch. Sasha, Indeed. what are your... What are your thoughts on uh, people being not smart enough or not clued in enough or not uh, you know, knowledgeable enough about the society to run it? What do you think? See, um, I, I really strongly disagree with the argument. I feel like that um, democracy, when it's done right, I feel like one of the um, one of its strengths is that because I feel like when it's done right, um, not only does it give everyone the opportunity to vote, but it, it gives everyone the, in, the the information and and allows everyone to know what they're voting for, so that they can really choose the option that's available that benefits their own personal situation the most. And when democracy is done like that, and everyone, even the people that possibly haven't been able to. Uh, have access to a political education throughout their life they they have access to this information on what they're voting for 
um, what that will lead to if they have that information available to them when they're going to vote. I feel like that's one of the strengths of democracy because it really opens it up to everyone from all walks of life and they're really able to choose their future. I feel like that is a really positive aspect of the way that democracy works rather than a negative way. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I think um, sort of in your conception of democracy, it seemed that uh, education regarding the political sort of circumstances is a key part of that that particular system. And I think that you're entirely right in claiming that that makes for a better political system than democracy without that sort of education. I think one of the reasons, just to point to a, um, a specific example in, in recent history, I'm not particularly keen to uh, sort of out myself on these views, um, but I'll do it nonetheless. I believe that the vote on Brexit was practically uh, and fundamentally undemocratic because of that exact sort of criteria that you mentioned, Sasha. I think that the populace that voted were entirely uneducated. The basis on which people voted for Brexit was unfounded and based on biases and intuitions. If the vote, when everyone had been educated, had been the same, that's fine by me, right? And if it had gone the other way, equally fine. I think the, the, uh, the country will survive either way. But the fact of the matter is that forcing people to vote in a referendum or asking people, maybe not forcing, but asking people to vote in a referendum on which no information is provided, on which no understanding is had, even by those politicians calling for such a vote, I think it's ridiculous and it's undemocratic, quite frankly. Um, Murray, I know that you strongly disagree with me on this topic, and I think we've we've, we've spoken about this before, but uh, I'll give you a moment now just to sort of voice your your opinions to the viewers on that. Listeners. When did we have this argument, or we'll call it a debate, it was probably more like an argument at the time, but we'll call it a debate to make us sound good. When, when, did, when did, did this happen? I think the terms argument and debate are pretty... Um, pretty nicely interchangeable. I think there's a bad connotation with, with argument that doesn't need to be there. But um, I believe, I may be wrong, uh, this may be completely a made-up memory on my part, um, but I believe it was uh, some sometime on the way to the sports centre. I have a vivid image of this in my head. Oh, right. Probably. Wow. Uh, either way, either way if, if your views have changed by then, yeah. or I imagining them please yeah honestly i i can i i i agree i you know i think over the lockdown i did have a lot of time to uh to look over my views on the world as i think a lot of people did when it seemed so such a bad place at that time and i think i i came to a lot of conclusions and i think my views were like that i would have i would have certainly in days gone by have said the opposite i would have said you know that's rubbish you know there was stuff out there and there's probably something to do with and i don't necessarily agree with it now but there's probably something to do with um you know freedom of speech or something that you can just say it and that you're supposed to make your voice heard regardless of whether you necessarily understand which of course looking back on it now just doesn't isn't right and i think now i'm very much you know i believe that I, I, you know, the education side of thing is very important. You know, you have to understand what you're, what you're voting for, uh, as as much as what what positive is going to come out of it, what the uh, what the negative side is going to be as well. I think that's so important. So, 
yeah, my views have, have certainly changed. Right. That, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I just want to sort of circle back around to the sort of key disagreement you two had when I asked whether you were sort of pro or anti-democracy. Sasha, you seemed pretty um, on the fence about it all for various reasons. Um, one argument I think that, that a lot of uh, pro-democracy people would make is that ultimately it gets the job done. You know, we can look at a, a huge, huge number of democratic states uh, and happy democratic people, right? Uh, like Murray uh, mentioned earlier, we've got the, the Scandinavian Nordic states, as some people might call them, where the quality of living is fairly widely accepted to be the leading, the leading standard for the world. Um, the same goes for places like Germany and France and to some extent the UK. Um, democracy seems to produce happy citizens in a peaceful circumstance with, um, you know, prosperity where, where things like um, the rule of law applies pretty strongly and justice is carried out. Why then are you so uh, on the fence? What is pulling you towards the anti-democracy side when, when an argument like that is being put forward? I feel like there um, is one of the reasons why I feel like there are really quite a few arguments against that idealism is that I feel like it can be so easily exploited and I feel like it is it is being really quite exploited in a lot of circumstances in the modern world. I feel like that the way that this country is going at this current moment in time, I'm really quite worried about the future i don't think that we're headed for a very bright place at all and i feel like that's a result of the democratic system the way that people have uh, the, the the way that people have been manipulated by democracy and the people that are uh, ru running um the, the whole electoral system and i feel like that it's, it's really quite it can be really quite dangerous when um, used in the wrong way. And I feel like that, that is um, why there is a possibility that we should be striving for a better system. Okay, that's, that's particularly interesting. I kind of want to zoom in on that a little bit. I mean, um, I can understand uh, sort of um, people being afraid for the future of democracy in the United States, as we spoke about earlier. I haven't heard a lot of people voice the concern with with democracy in the UK. I find it interesting that you seem to be uh, implying that there's a similar situation going on here as there is just over the pond. Um, I think, for, for me at least, the way I see the, the current UK system is much in line with the way that Murray does. I think we've vastly, on the whole, got the system fairly well pinned down. What are your problems with it? I'm. I, um, I'm not saying. I'm. I'm not suggesting I have major specific problems with the UK government system as a whole. I just feel like um, the way that uh, elections are taking place, the way that people are lied to during elections, and people aren't being held responsible for these things that people are voting for, and then just aren't. Being delivered like, like like you mentioned with the Brexit election, the Leave campaign broke the law in that election, and they weren't made to be held responsible for that. And I feel like once uh, since this has been allowed to happen, um, 
a relatively long time ago now i feel like um people in the uh, i feel like the, the the conservative party which were uh, the, the the main players behind the leave campaign at the time in the during the 2016 uh, Brexit referendum. I, f- I feel like pe- these people have learned that they can get away with this and are doing it time and time again to stay in power and to exploit this system for their own personal gain m- m- more than anything. And I feel like that is a serious, r- r- really quite an issue in uh, the current uh, system of our country and our world. That seems to make a, a you know a lot, a lot of sense. I think you're you're entirely correct. Uh, I think this is a problem that is particularly um, pervasive at present. Um, it's almost sort of characteristic in a way of uh, a quote um, by a man called Will Rogers, who said that democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts and murders itself. And I think what you're trying to get at there is that, you know, politics is, is all fine and dandy and democracy is all great and all until the politicians let the power to go to their head to a certain extent you know people effectively i I suppose what you're arguing against here is um populism it's the appeal to people's emotions in order to gain power and then use it for whatever purpose you see fit in a way i think that may be a problem with the system that it it allows people to do so However, it, um, I suppose you may be right in claiming that it's a problem with, with democracy as a whole in that ultimately, unless you're using, as we spoke about earlier, the sort of Athenian direct democracy, you're going to need people to represent you. Um, Murray, do you have any, any sort of words on that? Yeah, so from my perspective, I completely understand what, he, what is being said about, um, you know, you know exposing the system for your own personal gain i'm not denying and i'm not saying none of that goes on but from my point of view so many occasions where you know traditional systems have been overthrown in the supposed good name of people the political you know it obviously it throws everything everything becomes so unstable and out of that instability you know someone generally will will rise up and you then end up for me with a with a worse system i know this is quite a a common thing but it's like and i suppose once again it's going back to to you know democracy is is the best of the worst if that makes sense um in that i think when when you get examples of, of you know regimes being overturned you know a lot of the times the result from what I've seen throughout history hasn't been positive. So I think it, you know, once again, it just goes back to, yes, there are problems and yes, there are problems with, you know, people, you know, exploiting the system, but were we to completely rewrite the system, the, 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 the instability that that brings with it, would that lead rise to a worse situation? I think so personally. It seems to be almost a problem with, human nature and the desire for power. power. Right. Power is a, is a, is a lucrative thing. Um, I'm not quite sure where the quote comes from. It's something that my, uh, my dad actually used to say to me a lot when I was younger. I'm not exactly sure what the relevance of it was when I was an eight-year-old at primary school, but uh, <laughs> he told me often, quite cynically, really, that um, 
absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, uh, you know, whether you're a, a, a cynic like myself or not, I think that that fact is undeniable. Um, when you put somebody up on a pedestal like that and give them as much power as somebody like Trump may have in the modern world, it's going to go to their head and they may well use it incorrectly by our standards. Um, but to sort of wrap things up a little bit, I think a common vein running through our conversations so far has been really that uh, democracy is really the best of a bad bunch. Um, at least you and I have seemed to agree on that, Murray. Sasha, briefly, do you think you agree? Um, well, I don't know. I feel like, again, it's, it's interesting uh, you saying this just now with total power uh, corrupting anybody. I feel like well, what's important to remember in... Um, when arguing what is the correct system that humans should um, display in civilization for the uh, best possible outcome, I feel like it's important to remember that we are just all um, we are just all individual organisms on this earth. We are all programmed in a certain way. We all uh, strive for our own basic needs, and we will put ourselves first. Um, that's just the way that our brain brains are programmed to do and i feel like that's 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 why uh you, you see so many problems in these political systems because it is based around it, it is based around humans every part in the political system it is human it is based around human desires human thoughts human needs human drives that's why uh it, it can often be so easily corrupted because that's the way that the human mind works just to, to put yourself before anyone else. And so I feel like that's why uh, democracy can be so easily corrupted. And I feel like there is no perfect system. I don't, I don't feel like the democracy is a better system than the others. I feel, I feel like it's the system that we've flocked towards that we've driven towards because it seems to work in a way that, leaves everyone feeling comfortable and satisfied it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best system that's out there but it's a system that we've found and the system that we've developed that has left everyone feeling like okay we can live like this we can survive like this and not feel the need to strive for the possibility of something better right at the end of the day we're all just a bunch of clever monkeys on a rock hurtling through space um and potentially with the rise of our AI overlords, there'll be some kind of political system that may be better. Um, but finally, to almost come to a conclusion, I know I've asked you both this before, and I'm also aware, uh, as an address to the listeners, I'm also aware that I uh, <laughs> missed out on this last episode with Will. Um, but I'm interested to see whether or not your views uh, for both of you have changed on what philosophy is in uh, you know a sentence or two what is it to you Murray? i can't remember if it's the same answer as it was last time but as kind of my general outlook i think it's attempting to understand things that deep down we don't really think we can ever know i i think that seems fair i think a lot of people would agree with that and a lot of people would question why we even mm -hmm. bother but at the it's, it's it pretty is. interesting um I think yeah I, again like Murray, I, i'm not I, I don't really remember what i said 
last time. <laughs> but um, I think it's uh, yeah. I I agree with Murray to a certain extent. It's just it, it's finding just just trying to find answers to the questions in life that really seem like they they. They, they 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 matter and just trying to just trying to find an answer and trying to find a meaning to existence and life really I feel like that's that's what philosophy is. I think those are those are both very good answers and I think as as far as we have um, attempted, rather maybe in some people's eyes rather abysmally to answer the question of democracy today. I think you're right. It is a incredibly and incredibly important issue to every single person that is alive today in human society. I just want to say uh, thank you, a huge thank you to both of you for not only coming on once again, but also being guinea pigs in the first podcast that involved two of you. Um, and of course, I want to say thank you to uh, all of you listeners who have stuck with me this far. Hopefully there'll be another episode next week uh, and I'll try and get that out fairly soon thank you all once again for tuning in stay drinking stay thinking most importantly about democracy and other things um stay playing among us if you enjoy it it's good fun i'm sure we will be later tonight Accusing session. Uh, and i'll see you next time <laughs> goodbye <laughs>